Stay tuned for the golden days of radio in just one moment. From time to time, diseases plague us. Some are mild and some contagious. To know them all is advantageous. Make up your mind. The milder ones, you can't abort them. But if contagious, then report them. Or you may find your post is mortem. Make up your mind. This is Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. of the FBI television series. What's in a name? If your friends call you Chuck, your name of Charles is Teutonic and literally means man. And because kings and emperors have borne this name, Charles has taken on a significance of greatness. Being a sergeant means you have rank derived from feudal days. But even then, sergeants, who were the right-hand men of the captains, did much the same work as sergeants do now. What's in a name? Plenty. Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. Those memorable moments when everyone listened to enjoy the make-believe world of radio. On this program, we are featuring Frank Sinatra, W.C. Fields, Abbott and Costello, Burns and Allen, Bing Crosby, The Lone Ranger, a dramatic sequence by Arch Obler, Jack Parr, and a guest that I'll tell you about later on in the program. During the past several years that this program has been on the air, I've listened to hundreds of hours of material, selecting excerpts that I thought would be interesting. Tonight's program concludes the current series, so just for fun, I've chosen some of the best sequences from the past two years of programs, excerpts which I know you'll enjoy hearing again. Now, here's the master's voice, Frank Sinatra from the hit parade in 1944. With her high starch collar and her high top shoes and her hair piled high upon her head, she went to find a jolly hour on the trolley and found my heart instead. With my light brown derby and my bright green tie, I was quite the lonesomest of men. I started the end, so I counted the ten, then I counted the ten again. Clang, clang, clang went the trolley, ding, ding, ding went the bell, zing, zing, zing went my heart string, for the moment I saw her I fell. Chuck, chuck, chuck went the motor, bump, bump went the brake, thump, thump, thump went my heart string. When she smiled, I could feel the car shake. I tipped my hat and took a seat. I said, I hope I hadn't stepped upon her feet. I asked her name, then held my breath. She looked so lovely that it scared me half to death. Buzz, 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 Clap, 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 went the wheel. Stop, 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 went my heart through. As she started to leave, I took hold of her sleeve with my hand. And as if it were planned, she 
stayed on with me And it was grand just to stand with her hand holding mine Through the end of the line I guess W.C. Fields is everybody's favorite. During the 40s, he was a popular guest on the Edgar Bergen Charlie McCarthy Show. You know, I've always been very fond of our feathered friend. Yes. Large, small, tame, wild. Blonde or brunette, yeah. <laughs> Bill, you have quite a collection, haven't you? Yes, I have. Yes, I have, Edgar. <laughs> I always have a very rare Australian duck billed platypus. Uh, how small is this bird? Do you have to have glasses to see it? Yes, about three or four. <laughs> Is it true, Mr. Fields, that when you stood on the corner of Hollywood and Vine, 43 cars waited for your nose to change to green? No. <laughs> Pecker's lunch. <laughs> you know, Charles, many's the time I wish you could be here to fill that terrible vacancy. In your heart, Mr. Fields? Oh, in my fireplace. <laughs> One of the funniest sequences ever broadcast on radio featured Bud Abbott and Lou Costello and their baseball routine. What do you want, Costello? You know, I know something about baseball. Well, that would be accomplished. Well, I'd like to know some of the guys' names on the team, so when I meet them on the street or in the ballpark, I'll be able to say hello to them. Why, surely I'll introduce you to the boys. You know, strange as it may seem, they give these ballplayers nowadays very peculiar names. You mean funny names? Nicknames, pet names, like uh, Dizzy Dean. Spelled Daffy? Daffy Dean. And I'm their French cousin. French cousin? Gouffet. 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 <laughs> well, now, let's see. We have on the bags. We have who's on first, what's on second. I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find out. What silly name? I say who's on first, what's on second. I don't know who's on third. Are you the manager? Yes. You know the fellow's name? Well, I should. Well, then who's on first? Yes. I mean the fellow's name. That's that's who? Yeah. Well, go ahead and tell me. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first baseman. Who? Have you got a first baseman? Who is on first? I'm asking you who's on first. <laughs> That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Now tell me who's on first. That's right. I want to know what's the guy's name on first. No, base. no, what's on second I'm base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who is on first? I don't know. He's on third. Now we're <laughs> not mentioning third. Now let's get together. How did I get on third base? You have to mention his name. If I mention a third baseman's name, who did I face playing third no, base? No, who is playing first? I'm not asking you who's on first. Who is on first? I'm asking you what's the guy's name on third? What is on second. Who's on second? Who's on first? I don't know. He's on third. Then I go back on third again. I can't change their name. You got a first baseman? Absolutely. When you pay him off every month, who gets the money? Every dollar of it. <laughs> Why not? The man's entitled to it. Who is? Yes. So who gets it? Sure he does. <laughs> Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Who's wife? Yes. <laughs> trying to find out is what's the guy's name on first base? Listen, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who is on first? I don't know. Third, Third base. base. Another popular team on radio was Burns and Allen. Here they are on the Eddie Cantor Show. Why, it's Gracie Allen. Well, for goodness sake. Oh, uh... Gracie, what are you doing here? I didn't expect you. Well, neither did my mother, but here I am. <laughs> Look, 
Gracie, Gracie, I like you, but I'm having trouble enough. Yeah, I know. I heard your program last week. <laughs> well, why you're going to let that awful Mrs. Flounder produce the picture for you is a mystery to me. Now, if you let me produce the picture, it'll be a mystery to everybody. On I, I, of... I, yeah, I, I know that, but Gracie... Well, you, you don't have to worry if I produce the picture. I've never ruined anybody's career, and all I want is a chance. Yeah, look, look, Gracie. Gracie, when it comes to making pictures, you're a complete novice. Oh, please, I'm not that good. Yeah. Eddie, and Eddie, having trouble? George Burns, well. You're here, too, huh? Uh, how long has Gracie been here? Oh, about three or four minutes, George. Have an aspirin. <laughs> Say, Eddie. Yeah? Who's this? Who's this? Yeah. He follows me home every night. Gracie, what are you talking about? That's George Burns. You've been together for 15 years. Oh, no wonder he gets so fresh, huh? Eddie, yeah? give me back the aspirin. <laughs> no, no. No, you better take your headache home with you. Okay, good night, Eddie. Good night, and I'll heckle you on your show next Monday. Well, come on, Gracie, come on. Oh, wait, I haven't finished the story come yet. On, so the ink on, is now dry and the hero's an old man. How many remember the Lone Ranger? He was the masked hero of the Old West. He was unmasked one evening on the Bing Crosby show with these hilarious results. Sheriff of this town, I calculate to clean out Three-Fingered Luke and his gang of rustlers. Three-Fingered Luke? Yep. You mean Four-Fingered Luke? Three-Fingered Luke! Don't you read Winchell's column? <laughs> How do you lose another finger, Creepalong? Well, Drupalong here is sharpening a pencil, one of them newfangled pencil sharpeners, and I forgot to say when. <laughs> What's Luke doing with pencils? He can't write. Don't use them for writing. Use them for toothpicks. See? That's a good idea. After he picks a tooth, he can put an X on it so he don't forget and pick it again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really on the spot. I got to get me the Lone Ranger. There's our man. We can get him to help us. Howdy, Sheriff. Why, it's the Lone Ranger. What are you doing here, Lone Ranger? I'm lonesome. <laughs> Well, I don't blame you. You've been standing outside there for about four and a half pages. <laughs> What's that piece of rope dangling in your hand there, Ranger? I've either found a lasso or lost a horse. <laughs> sure good to see you here, Ranger. Well, boys, we're not getting anywhere cowering here in the jail. Let's get out and find Two-Fingered Luke. Come on, men. Silver, come back. I'm not on yet. <laughs> on the evening of February 11th, 1960, comedian Jack Parr actually walked off the stage of The Tonight Show while it was on the air. This sequence is recorded just as it happened. All right, are you ready? Uh, last night on this program, if you would read uh, some of the newspapers... You'd think that I had committed a terrible obscenity. Last night, I told a little story that I thought was about as funny as anything I had ever... It was a story. I'm not going to go into it because they'll cut me off again. <laughs> but it is not at all, in any sense of the word, an obscene story. This was cut out of the show last night, and I cannot understand why. Cutting it out is the right of NBC to do, but not some, in some way telling you the content of it leaves a terrible impressions, uh, impression in your mind. Um, I 
generally am opposed to obscene stories, dirty stories on this show or anywhere. It doesn't mean that when you ad lib, that when fast minds are thinking, double entendres and triple entendres don't occur. It is not my policy ever. Every comedian that comes on the show with a routine, I don't have time, but the producers see, and I hear jokes that are questionable. They're always out. Now, uh, NBC is a little confused as to which clown cut that out of the show last night. They're not quite sure who did it. Those who saw it today, some people said they were quite surprised, and the whole thing has gotten out of hand. But the damage has been done, not only to their property, this show, The Tonight Show, which they own, I do not, but to me personally. And so my solution, I've been up for about 30 hours without an ounce of sleep. That's not your problem. But I have been. And uh, don't worry. <laughs> what, what was I talking about? Help me. Just tell me what I was talking about. You said that NBC was... Oh, yeah. So I went to them. <laughs> I'm loaded with ammunition, but you know, I, I don't get it out straight. So I went to them and uh, I said, well, you know, the least you could do, maybe ask, get permission or give me a no. Could I show that tape again? And uh, they thought about it and said, pass it off with a joke, lightly. Well, I cannot pass it off with a joke and will not. Now, I've made a decision about what I'm gonna do. I'm leaving The Tonight Show. There must be a better way of uh, making a living than this. There's a way of entertaining people without being constantly involved in some form of controversy, which is on me all the time. It's rough on my wife and child, and I don't need it. I like the National Broadcasting Company. They've been uh, swell to me, and I've been pretty wonderful to them. You have been peachy to me always. Jack, I, you know what I said to you? This wasn't the end. Oh, no. Sometime later, Jack Parr returned to NBC and The Tonight Show. On the evening of his return, he had these words. As I was saying before I was interrupted... <laughs> I believe my last words were that there must be a better way of making a living than this. Well, I have looked, and there isn't. <laughs> On July 4th, 1968, I was in Frankfurt, Germany for the 25th anniversary celebration of the American Forces Network. During that show that evening, I had a few choice remarks. Thank you very much. I bring you greetings from Hollywood and from some of the stars that are on the Armed Forces Radio Service. I bring you a greeting from Ira Cook, one of the big stars. He couldn't be here in person, but he sent his thought for the day. 
His thought for today is the richest man in the world is the man with the most money. <laughs> I also bring you greetings from Johnny Grant, whose message is send more girls. <laughs> and uh, also from Dean Martin. <laughs> I also have a message uh, from Chris Noel. She sent a telegram says, please cancel my subscription to the Overseas Weekly. <laughs> You're all readers, aren't you? <laughs> I'd also send you greetings from the President of the United States, but he beat me to it. <laughs> I came over here for the 25th anniversary uh, to do some sightseeing, play some golf, and record three shows. I've had such a great time, I wish I could stay for a second day. But, um... <laughs> now, I flew over here all the way from Los Angeles, and it was, it was a pretty tough flight. We were on instruments for hours, going through rain, snow, sleet, fog, and hail. I'll never forget that bus ride to the Los Angeles airport. <laughs> uh, thank you, Mother, huh? Oh, that was the pilot. <laughs> we, finally, we finally got to the airport and the plane wasn't quite ready to take off, so I went in the, up in the sky room and had a few drinks. I flew blind all the way. <laughs> That's kaput. <laughs> finally, I got in the plane. I'd been in the plane about 10 minutes. I looked out of the window. I said, my gosh, we're up so high, those people look like ants. One fellow turned to me and says, those are ants. We haven't taken off yet. <laughs> And for a while, coming over the Atlantic, we flew in an altitude that didn't bother me. But we had to go up higher because the salt water was ruining the tires. <laughs> and strangely enough, I was sitting on the plane and the, uh, the stewardess came up to me. She said, in case of an accident, the pilot is the last one to leave the plane. I said, that's fine, but why are you telling me? She says, there he is, down there. <laughs> it was a heck of a flight. Anyway, we landed in Frankfurt, and you should have heard the screams when I got off the plane. I unfastened the wrong belt. <laughs> That's sneaky, too. And a lot of people, I think a lot of people, listen to the golden days of radio here in Germany, because today, whenever I'd walk down the street, there were crowds following me, screaming and yelling and cheering. Does anybody know what Schweinhunt means? <laughs> Well, I never did find out what that, uh, that meant. You know, in the, in the past two years that this program has been on the air, there's a gal that's helped me out tremendously. She listens to uh, a lot of the shows and, and prepares all the scripts and get, gets them all ready. And as a matter of fact, uh, when we record the Golden Days of Radio, she's in the studio, usually. And she's here right now. Welcome to the Golden Days of Radio. Thank you, Frank. And your name is? Valerie St. Ange. Valerie St. Ange. Valerie is, is a blonde, about 25, unmarried, and would love to hear from almost everybody. Isn't that true? Sure. All right. Now, there's one, there's one thing that, that has always driven you insane. There's one track that we've used several times in the past couple of years. Would you... Oh, yeah. It's Arch Obler's uh, The Day at the Dentist. Yeah? Yeah. It really grinds me. Why? <laughs> I don't like the drill. Uh-huh. Well, we're going to hear it right now. It's the last act uh, on our program today. So for Valerie St. Ange and for everyone else, here's A Day at the Dentist.
Uh, any more patients, nurse? Yes, one just came in. He hasn't an appointment, but he says it's an emergency. Oh, do I know him? What's his name? His name is Fred Hausman. Hausman? Fred? Are you sure? Yes, do you know him? No, oh no. Uh, show him in. And Miss Case, you can go home now. But, Doctor, it isn't time. I said you could go home now. Yes, Doctor. The doctor will see you now. Oh, thank you. Come in, sir. Come in. I'll see you in the morning, nurse. And when you go out, lock the outer door. Mr. Houseman will be my last patient. Yes, doctor. I said, come in, sir. Come in. Oh, thank you, doctor, for seeing me without an appointment. It's my pleasure. Oh, uh, will you get in the chair? Oh, thank you. You know, I used to come here to Dr. Charles. I didn't know you'd taken over. <laughs> Are you all comfortable? Yes, indeed. Now, what seems to be the trouble? Well, I have a toothache. Oh, yes, we can fix that in a hurry. Nothing serious. Say, are you sure it's painless, Doctor? It's funny me saying that, but here I used to play football and wrestle, but there's one thing I sure can't stand is a little pain. You know, drilling and things like that. Oh, no. No pain. Well, the straps. Why are you strapping me in? Oh, don't be alarmed. In order to keep this painless, there must be absolutely no movement. Oh. There you are. Snug as a bug in a rug. That's a curious thing to call you, isn't it? You're no bug. You're the lover type, aren't you? Why? When I first heard your name, I wasn't sure, but when you came through the door, I... What the hell is this? Mary Elson. Mary? What do you mean? Surely you haven't forgotten Mary, lover boy. What you did to her was very special, wasn't it? Worth remembering. Worth talking about. Worth slobbering over. Who the hell are you? Her husband. Let me out of here. You won't break those straps. They've been waiting just for you. That's why I bought out Dr. Charles' practice. Because I knew that sooner or later you'd come back to him. The painless dentist. Now you're here. Now you're here. What? The drill? What are you going to do? Nothing important. Just going to drill a little hole to let out some of the lover boy. Oh, no. What are you going to do? What? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Please. Please. No. 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 Oh, no. 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 Yes, lover boy. That wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. I hope you've enjoyed the past half hour. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next time for more comedy and drama from the great radio programs of the past. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service. Thank you.